Good morning, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful day. Today is Chof of 78th yard side of the Rebbe's father, Rebbe Levi Yitzchok. And we continue. We left off. We're starting with Hashem's help, the fourth chapter in Ksuvus, Perik, Nairosh, and Ispatata, the bottom of 41b. Sok the Heliki Mishnah, Nairosh, and Ispatata, a young uh, girl who was seduced. So who gets the payments of the, for the embarrassment and for the defect and for the penalty? Fifty shekel. Who gets it? The father gets it. Batsar. And the and the uh, the payment for the pay, for the um, for the uh, pain. Batsar and and the additional payment which you pay. On top of the three payments of uh, for the for the embarrassment and for the defect and for the penalty, which you pay when when a girl is seduced, but on top of that, when you rape a woman, you also have to add the payment and the pen, uh, the the pain, the the the, the uh, tsar, the pain that goes also to the father. What if I'm the bedin? What if this case was presented to the court? Actually, when the father was still alive in the court sentence, the seducer and the raper, the rapist, sentenced him to pay these payments. They belong to the father. So therefore, what if the father dies? Who inherits the father? The boys inherit the father. So since the father already already acquired it, the court already gave him this money. So therefore, therefore, even though he dies before he had a chance to pay, the brothers inherit the payment, the estate, and the brothers get this payment, not the daughter. What if the father dies before the court had a chance to render its verdict? The angel Atzma, then she acquires it. Not the brothers. She's the one who was raped. She's the one who seduced. Then it belongs to her. So we have an no, argument. A- we have an argument of this, this law that uh, the money goes to the father and even if, and after the, the court renders its sentence and then the father dies, the money is inherited by the children, by the yes. boys, by her brothers, not her, whether it only applies to the penalty of the knas, the penalty of the 15 silver coins, or it also applies to the payment of, for the embarrassment and for the, for the defect and for the, for the pain in the case of rape. So Teisva says there's no difference. This is referring to all of the payments because the Teisva compares all the payments. So just like the penalty, you're not obligated until the court obligates you, so to the others, even though it's a financial loss, also, also belongs to the father, and therefore the brothers inherit. Rashi says no. Others would learn no, that, that this is only the case for the penalty of knas. The penalty of knas doesn't begin until the court, until the court imposes it on you. So, so as long as the court imposed it, then, and the father was alive, therefore it belongs to him and to his estate, and therefore the brothers get it and not, not her, even though he dies before, he, before, she, before they collect. But the other penalties are financial things. Financial things, that belongs, that's, that's, that's already there, that's already present, that the father already inherited. The moment he raped her, the moment he seduced her, it comes with a financial liability. 
And that financial liability, the Boishas and the Pagam and the Kanaz in the case, and the Tzad in the case, that belongs to the children. Right, that belongs to the children. So that's an argument. Rab Shimon, Rab Shimon argues, he says, He says, even if the court decided and sentenced him to all these papers, sentenced him to pay the penalty, and the father was alive when they sentenced him, but the father died before they collected, the money goes to the daughter, goes to her. That's Rab Shimon's opinion. Soon the Gemara will explain what the argument is. What about Maizia de Mitsiyasa? What about her handiwork? And something that she finds. She finds a lost object or she works. And usually the father gets, gets the paycheck. So even if it wasn't collected yet, and then the father dies before she, she picked up a paycheck. She works, she gets paid every month. The day before she collects the paycheck, the father died. Who gets the paycheck? Does she get it? Or do the brothers inherit it? He says, Arein Shalachin. It belongs to the brothers because it's a financial thing. And the moment she works, it's already there. It's already present. The obligation to pay her is there. And therefore, it belongs to the father and to the estate. And the, the sons inherited her brothers and not her. Okay, that's the mission. What's the mission coming to teach us? We already learned this. He learned this in the previous mission. I'm a fat and nation This seducer is obligated in three payments for the shame, for the defect, and for the penalty. And the rapist has an additional defect, additional payment for the pain, for the, for the uh, pain, I mean, for, for, for the embarrassment. The, the seducer has to pay for the embarrassment, for the defect, and the penalty. And the rapist, on top of that, also has to pay for the pain, four things. And the mission says clearly, What's he come to teach us? But answers, yeah, he doesn't come to list the payments that he's obligated. He's coming to teach us, that who gets the payment? That's what our mission is coming to teach us. Who gets the payment? He says it belongs to the father. All payments go to the father. Right. I don't need a Mishnah to tell me that. That's so obvious. From the, we can learn that from the previous Mishnah. Because since, since the, the uh, seducer is obligated to make all these payments, obviously it has to go to the father. Because if the payment will go to the daughter, why does he have to make any payment? Mitai David. It was mutual. She forgives she him and all the payments. She was my equal partner. Exactly. So the only, the only thing is, obviously you have to pay the father. The father never forgave him. The father didn't want his daughter to, to, to be a slut, to, to sleep around. So he has to pay the father for the shame and the embarrassment and for the, for the defect, the defect, the loss of value and a penalty. So obviously it belongs to the father. But answers, you're right. Even that, I don't even need our Mishnah. That, that belongs to the Father. I also learned from the previous Mishnah. But I need our Mishnah that teaches what happens if the court sentences him to make this payment and then the Father dies. Who gets it? As the Mishnah says, that the brothers inherit. The rabbis say the brothers get it and the Rabbi Shimon says no, that she gets it. In the argument of Shimon and the rabbis, the mother is going to bring a mission in Tractate Shavuos. Not not so we learn over there in Tractate Shavuos regarding the laws of an oath. 
the father comes to a person and says, you owe me money, you raped, or you seduced my daughter. And he denies it. And the father says, I swear you, I administer an oath, swear to me that you, you didn't do it. And he says, Amen, he accepted the oath. He swears that he never raped his daughter, and he never raped, he never raped the other person's daughter, and he never seduced her. And then he comes clean. And he admits that he lied, he swore falsely, he did rape, and he did seduce the daughter, Chayev. So then the Torah says, you're obligated to pay. If you deny under oath an, uh, an obligation, obligatory payment, you have, not only do you have to pay the principal, you also have to add a fifth on top, which is 25% of the principal. Let's say it was $100 if they had 25 so when you add it to the 100, 125, it becomes a fifth. And Right. So you have to pay, what's the principal? You have to pay the penalty, the, uh, the shame, and the defect. And you add it all up, you have to pay 25% on top of that. Uh, 20% when you add it on. And then you have to bring a guilt offering. A guilt offering because you, you under oath, you denied money that belonged to your friend. Yeah. And Rabbi Shimon argues, Rabbi Shimon says, you're exempt from a, from a sacrifice and you're exempt from the added penalty of a chaymesh. Why? Because what did you deny? You denied the penalty, uh, the penalty of 15, 50 shekel. What if he would have come clean? What if he would have admitted to the father that he raped his daughter and he, uh, and he, or he seduced her? Would he have to pay the penalty? No. Any penalty that you admit we learned yesterday, you're exempt. So therefore, even if he would have admitted, he would have been exempt from paying. So by denying it, he didn't deprive the father of any payment. So therefore, why should he pay? Why should he have to pay on top of it the fifth and... And bring a guilt offering. The rabbis responded, You're right. He wouldn't, even if he would have admitted to the father, he would be exempt from paying the penalty, but he would still have to pay. The other penalties he would have to pay. That's not a punishment for the, her embarrassment, for the shame, and for her defect that she loses value in the marketplace. For that, you do have to pay. And by denying it and swearing falsely, he exempted himself of a payment. So now that he's coming clean, the tailor says, not only do you have to pay the principal, you have to add the chaymish, the fifth, and on, and on top of it, and you have to bring the guilt over it. Rabba was the 38th in line of the transmission of the whole oral Torah. So yeah, Rabbi was a biased teacher. So he asked him, What happens in the case where someone accuses someone? He says, You raped or seduced my daughter. And we went to the court, and the court said, Sentence you, you have to pay. And there was witnesses, and you, they, you had to pay. You had to pay the penalty, you had to pay everything. The, the, for the shame or for the defect or in the case of rape also for the, for the pain uh, for the embarrassment in the case of rape also for the pain and the, the, the court found you liable he denies it he says no it's not true I never raped your daughter I never seduced your daughter we never went to court the court never sentenced me 
And when Nishban and he swore that he's telling the truth, and then Hoide comes clean. So the question Abaya posted obviously, according to Rab Shimon, who says that when you under oath you deny the penalty, the penalty, it's not called denial, because even if you would have admitted you would have you would have been exempt to pay. So you didn't exempt yourself from paying by denying. Either way, you deny or admit you would have been exempt. But in this case, my what's the din? What's the question? Since the father claims that you already were sentenced by the court, once you're sentenced, you can't exempt yourself, even if you come clean. It doesn't matter. If you come and say, you admit, I was sentenced by the court. You don't say, well, he admitted, he came clean. No. The court already obligated you, because in the beginning you didn't come clean. We had to have witnesses, and the court said that you're obligated to pay. Then it becomes an obligation. So exempting yourself wouldn't help you. So if that's the case, so now when he denies to the father that he ever raped and he ever was sentenced, he's denying money, because had he come clean, had he admitted that the father was right, he would have to pay the penalty. And therefore, he has to pay the chaymish, and he also has to pay the sacrifice. He also has to bring the sacrifice, the ashram, the guilt offering. Perhaps, even though he was already sentenced, and you can't exempt yourself by coming clean and admitting, but nevertheless, knas have essentially it's you're dealing with a knas with a penalty, and the Torah never obligates. A person in principle, the title doesn't obligate a, per, a, a, a sacrifice, a guilt offering, for denying, for denying a penalty. Only if you deny something that's essentially a damage, money, something that's owed to you. Let's say you worked and you did a payment, you deny that he owes you money, payment. But, but not, in principle, the title exempts any penalty. Any denial of a penalty, even if techni- technically you would have to pay it anyway because, because the, the court already issued the sentence, sentence you, you have to pay, it doesn't matter. Here, in this case, there's no chaymish and there's no carbon. That was Abai's question to Rab. So Amalaysia Rabba responded, responded to Abba, in this case, it's not a, in this case, since it's, it's a financial obligation, once the court rendered and sentenced, the seducer or the rapist that he has to pay the penalty, then it becomes a financial obligation. There's no, there's no wiggling your way around it. You, even if you come clean, admit it's too late, you have to pay. So now he's denying if he would have admitted he would have to pay. So he's depriving the father of a legitimate payment. So therefore, if he comes clean now, he does have to, have to pay the extra fifth and he has to bring this guilt off. So, we learned... Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says, in the Brai, Yo, Chalai would think, If one claims to the other, he says, you rape, you rape my daughter, you seduce my daughter. And he denies, he says, I never rape, never seduce your daughter. Or he says, this friend named Meshach your axe gored my servant, killed my servant. So you have to pay the 30 shekel that the Teda says you're obligated to pay for him. And he says he denies it. Lo is not true. My uh, axe never gored and never killed your servant. Or his own servant claims that it is a master. The Canaanite servant claims that it is Jewish master. That you knocked my tooth out and you blinded me. And once you knock a tooth out, Shem you go out, you become free. And therefore, if, if you... 
wounded in a way that it can't be healed. Then I go free, and you have to pay. So I am free from your slave, and no longer your slave, and you have to pay me for the eye, because by knocking the tooth out, he already becomes free, and now I'm a free man, you have to pay me for the eye. And the owner denies it, it's not true. Loipalti wasn't me. I never knocked your tooth out. It's me seeing. I never blinded you. And the owner swore. All of these cases, the owner swore, or, or the person who owns the ox swore that his ox never gored the other person's servant, or the, the would-be rapist or seducer swore that he never raped, he never seduced. And then, and he swore. And then, then he comes along and he has a guilty conscience. He comes along and comes clean. He admits that it's true that he did knock the tooth out and blinded the servant. That is, Agus did gore this, the, the, uh, did, did gore the servant, the Canaanite servant. And that he did rape and seduce the other person's daughter. I would think, I would think that you're obligated to pay the extra fifth and you're obligated to bring a sacrifice, a sin offering, a guilt offering. That's what the Pasuk says. The Torah lists a whole bunch of things. Whether I gave you, I asked you something, I asked you to watch something and then you deny that I ever gave you to watch. Or, or, you gave me something, and I deny it. Let's say I stole, and I denied I ever stole. Or I forced you to, um, I, I forced you to sell something, whatever, and, and, and you deny it. Or I found examples that Taita gives. All the examples Taita gives. If I gave you, I entrusted you to watch something for me, or I, or I gave you a loan, or you stole. Or you found a lost object and you're denying that you found it. And then you swore falsely. In these cases, the text says, if you come clean, not only you have to pay the principal, you have to add to it a fifth, and you have to bring a guilt offering. So, they're all financial. They're all, they're all a financial issue. Also, anything that's financial, a financial uh, Right. Like all these previous cases, pay if you ax gored a Canaanite slave, or if you raped, or you or you seduced, the penalty of fifteen shekel. Or if you ax Gordon killed the Canaanite, you're the other Jews Canaanite slave, you only you have to pay thirty shekel. Or when you go out free, if you knock his tooth, the owner knocks the tooth out of his slave, all of that is all is a penalty. It's a knas. So knas, since he would have come clean. Even if you would have admitted you would have been exempt. Because when you come clean on a fine, you're exempt. So therefore it doesn't matter. It's not your oath that I lied falsely, I swore falsely, I denied it. Even if I admitted I would have been exempt. I didn't cause you to lose any money. It's only if I cause you to lose money. Here I have a financial claim. I gave you a loan and you deny I gave you a loan. You're depriving me money. Here, in the case of the penalty, it's not depriving any money. Because even if you would have come clean, you would have been exempt. So in this case... In this case, even, even if he, he swears falsely and then he comes clean, he's exempt. He just has to pay the principal. He doesn't have to pay. He doesn't have to pay the. Um, he doesn't have to add the chaymish and doesn't have to bring a sacrifice. So my love, surely what it would, that's the brayser. So Abayah says, surely we're talking about shomer within. Even if the if the argument was that you already you already were sentenced by the court, you have to pay me a penalty. We went to court and we proved that you raped and seduced my daughter and you have to pay. And he denies it. 
So not like Rabbi said that. In other words, even because since even if it was already the court already decided you have to pay, therefore your coming clean wouldn't exempt you. But nevertheless, since in principle we're dealing with a penalty. In general, a penalty is something that the Torah adds. It's not a real. It's not a real value that you have to pay. It's only the Torah penalizes you. So even if technically you would have to pay, and, and admitting wouldn't mean it, it wouldn't matter. Exactly, like a parking ticket. It's a fine. It's not as a value. Gemara says, no, Rabbi says, no, no, who says? He's talking about he, he wasn't sentenced. Because if he's sentenced, then it's already becomes an established financial penalty. And his admission, there's a logic behind it. Because even if he would have admitted, he would be exempt. So I'm not depriving him of money. But in the case, if he was, there was a sentence already, he was sentenced to pay, then had he admitted, he would have to pay. So he is depriving, his false oath is depriving the owner of money that's coming to him. Since the beginning is talking about he was already sentenced, surely the end, the bride is all talking about the end. We learn in the Reisha. I would think only that you only have to pay the penalty of the fifth if you swear falsely and the guilt offering only you only have to pay for the principal which is a penalty, the double, that a thief has to pay double the principal. Or in the case if you steal or you slaughter it, you have to pay four or five times. And the penalty of Oynes and Mamfata Mechishemra, the penalty, the 50 shekel of Oynes and Mamfata, and the penalty of Mechishemra, how do we know, Mechishemra, I think you pay 100, so how do we know that if that if you swore falsely, that you also have to pay, a sa- you also have to bring a guilt offering. Pay double, four yeah. times, five and, times. Yeah. How do we see it? says, it says, a mal a mal. The Torah adds that he, he was false. Double usage. He comes to add that even if he denies in the payment of a penalty, even though it's not what the title lists, the title only lists things that are financial, it's a financial thing, it's not a, not a fine, it's not a penalty, but the title adds even penalties. Say, what are the rabbis talking about? The rabbis argue with Rabbi Shimon. The rabbis are Shimon. The rabbis say that even for a penalty, even though had he admitted he wouldn't come clean, he would be exempt. So he didn't, he's not depriving the owner of anything. By his swearing falsely, it doesn't matter. Since he swore falsely, the Torah obligates him to pay not only the principal, but also, not only the penalty, but also the fist on top, and to bring a guilt offering. Okay, so that's the price. So what are we talking about? Of it? Hey, Chidami, what are we talking about? We're talking about a case where the court never sentenced him. Fail him. If he didn't go to trial, then there's no kefal. All the other penalties, me, because the moment he admitted, it doesn't make sense. Because if he admitted, he would be exempt. So why would the rabbi say he's obligated? Why, what do you mean, why is he obligated? He never deprived the owner of any money. If he would have admitted to the owner, you're right, I stole, he, was still, he wouldn't have to pay him the double. So why, if he swears falsely, it's not his swearing falsely that deprived the owner. Either way, the owner wouldn't get a dime. He wouldn't get any fine. There's no fine, there's no penalty. So it doesn't make sense. Why would the rabbi say that he, why would the tater say you do have to swear 
It's I mean, you do have to bring pay a chaymish, and you have to pay the and and on top of it, and you have to bring a guilt offering. There is no cave. Yeah, but once you went to trial, there is a case. Elipshita, we must be talking about the Bishamad, but then we're talking about a case where he was sentenced. That's why the rabbis say, since now, even though essentially it's a fine, but once he's sentenced, it's transformed into a financial payment that he must make and come and clean won't help him. So by him swearing falsely, he deprived the owner of, of, of money and it's swearing falsely that deprives it. Therefore, the Taylor says you have to pay. You have to bring the guilt offering, you have to pay on top of it the chaymash. And Rav Shimon says no. Rav Shimon says, Obviously, Rav Shimon is arguing, he's coming to argue in that case. Because in the case where he wasn't sentenced, there is no argument. So we see clearly, not like Rabbo, Rav Shimon holds it even though he was sentenced. But since, in principle, in, in essence, a fine, a penalty is only, is only if you come clean your exam. Therefore, in this case, you also. You also examine even if you swore falsely and you deprive the owner of his, of his fine and penalty that was already decided by the court. Nevertheless, you only have to pay the penalty. You don't have to pay the chaymish on top of it and you don't have to bring a guilt off. responded, I could, I could answer that it's not a proof. No. The rabbis are talking about your rights. Must be talking about he was sentenced already. Yeah, right. To pay the fine. Safe. Yeah, the later clause. And the safe is talking about he didn't. And call the Rabbi Shimon. I will sell you the bride. There is no argument. There is no argument in the rabbis, Rabbi Shimon. The whole bride is Rabbi Shimon. But I don't want to give you a. a it's not a good answer. Why? Why isn't it a good answer? The Im Cain, because if that's the case. Listen to the Rab Shimon name. He should have said in the beginning. Rab Shimon said, "I listen to safe at the end of the price." It is Rab Shimon. Since he says Rab Shimon in the middle, it does. The simple reading is that it is an argument. So I don't want to give you, I don't want to give you, a, you know, another good answer. Ella, rather, Kulasham with it. The whole price is talking about he was sent. Vadeisha Rabban, and the Reisha is the Rabbi's opinion. And the end of the Rabbi it says that if you deny, if you swore falsely and you deny the obligation of a penalty, even even though the court already assigned you the penalty and the fine, nevertheless, Rabbi Shimon argues in the rabbis, there is no sacrifice, and you don't have to pay a chaymer. You're saying you're making a distinction. I'm making a distinction. Says, I agree with you. Rabbi Shimon argues with the rabbis that there's no sacrifice in this case. There's no guilt of Since the Torah spells out all these things, all these things the Torah itemizes are, all pe- are not penalties, are not fines. They're, they're liability. I gave you a loan, you're denying me. I asked you to watch something for me, you're denying me. All these cases are not fines. They're, 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 they're financial. So therefore, clearly, the Torah spells out, according to Abshimen, that in case of a fine or penalty, there is no sacrifice guilt or fine. When I told you that there is, that, 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 the, that the, the penalty, the, there is a penalty after the court, after the court uh, sentences the person to pay the penalty, that's considered like money, that's only all I'm saying is that the sons, 
inherit from their father. That the brothers and not her. It has, it's, as, it's as if the money already entered his estate. Once the court sentences you to pay the fines, as if the father already received, the estate already got the money. And therefore, the money now is considered like financial and it belongs to the, to the estate, which the sons inherit, not the daughters. So the brothers get the money, and that's my only argument. Eitzvah, so Abaya continued to ask Rabba. We learned in our Mishnah, that what if the court sentence, the, right, the rapist or the seducer to pay the fine? And the father was alive, but they didn't have a chance to, to pay up yet, to collect before the father died. Then even Rab Shimon agrees that it belongs. Rab Shimon says it belongs to. Rab Shimon says it belongs to her. Clearly, Rab Shimon says not so. Not like Rabbi said. We amrit mamin avel edishal abonam kilatz Then, if you're saying that Rab Shimon holds. That is considered finance. It's considered money. It's not considered a fine, a penalty. Once the court sends, that the children inherit, the sons inherit, not her. So why why does she take the money? The achem boyimevich belong to the brothers. So we see that Shimon holds that the penalty doesn't belong to the brothers until it, it reaches his hands. That even though he was sentenced, it's not considered, it's not considered the father. Learned in the Mishnah, the argument between the rabbis and Rabbi Shimon. The rabbis say that the money, the money belongs to the father as soon as the court sentences. Once the court sentences to pay, then the penalty belongs to the father. So as, so as long as the father was alive when they sentenced him, or she didn't yet reach maturity, but begetish, 12 and a half, when she was sentenced, then it belongs to the father. And then even if the father dies, it belongs to his estate and the sons. What if he died before they sentenced him? Or even if the father's alive, they didn't sentence the seducer, the rapist, till after she already reaches maturity, 12 and a half. Then it belongs to her right. because he never got. He only gets it when the court sentences. Right, right. right. Rabbi Shimon argues. Shimon says, "No, that's not enough. Sentencing is not enough. It's only when he has it in his hands, when he actually pays, when the payment, when it's reaches his hand, then it belongs to him. So even if the court sentences, but then he died before he paid, now it belongs to her. Or even if it was sentenced and then she became a mature adult before, before." Um, before they actually collected it. Yeah. You know, even if he's still alive, if he became a mature adult before he collected it, then it belongs, it would belong to her. According to Rab, but the way Rabbi explained the price, Rab Shimon says that the money is considered, once there's a sentence, once it's sentenced, it's considered financial. That in that case, the children inherit. It says clearly in our mission, the children don't inherit. So Rabbi Rabbi answered, Hi, Milsa. This question that Rabbi asked Rabbi, Rabbi and Rabbi Yosef had this question for 22 years and they, they couldn't understand, they couldn't explain it, to reconcile our mission and that b'raise. Until, 
until Rabbah passed away. Yosef, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef took over and he became for 22 years. They wanted to make Rabbi Yosef the Rosh Hashiva. Rabbi Yosef, out of his humility, declined and Rabbah became the Rosh Hashiva. After 22 years, when Rabbah passed away and Rabbi Yosef became Rosh Hashiva, and then he was able to answer. What was his answer? Shiny Hossam, there's different. The penalty for raping and seducing, the Torah says that the person should give it, the person who slept with her has to give it to the father, 50 shekels. The Torah says, when does it belong to the father? Only when he has it in his hand. So therefore, this is the exception. Usually, whenever the court sentences you, from that moment on, it's considered financial. You're obligated to pay, and there's nothing, you can't wiggle your way out of it. Therefore, then the estate inherits it, and therefore the sons inherit it. But but this is the exception. Every rule is an exception. The case of seduction and rape, and that's why in the B'raisa, what were the examples he gave in the B'raisa? Well, everything except the case of our Mishnah, the case of rape. He's talking about Kefil, Arba Hamisha, but the except, this is the exception, the case of rape and seduction, then it doesn't belong to the father until he actually acquires it. When Rabbi said to Abaye, that the penalty, once the court decides, is considered money and it belongs to children, he's talking about all the other penalties, all the, all the other fines. That then... They are considered money once the court decides, even before it reaches his hand. The mother asked, if that's the case, by his servant also it says that, that if your ox, a goring ox, who's already established three times that he gores, and he kills the moor, the, 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 he kills the Canaanite servant, you have to pay 30 shekel, the tater also uses the same language. Yitin, you have to give. Achinami, also going to say, Why did Rabbi Yesu say all other penalties, all other fines, it's when the court sentenced them? But the answer is, you know why? Because yitin it's two different expressions. Over there it says yitin, he should give. It means in the future. He has to give the money. Not that he's giving it now. V'nasan means he already gave. So the Torah is saying that V'nasan lavi, when he already gave, he actually physically gives the money, then it belongs to the father, not beforehand. But here the Torah says, no, yitain, we obligate him to give the father. Once the court sentences him and obligates him, from that moment on, it already belongs to the father. If that's the case, that, uh, that according to Rab Shimon, the fine and the penalty for rape and seduction is different than all other fines, because it says v'nasan, that it only belongs to the father once it's already been given. So why does he say Why does he say that the source for his ruling is? Because the Teda lists examples of, of money, all the examples the Teda lists is money, and only then the obligated to bring a sacrifice and pay the extra chaymer. According to you, you should have said, You should have said that the reason there's no penalty in the case of rape and seduction, you don't have to bring a sacrifice because it says that it doesn't belong to the father until it reaches his hand. So obviously, if it doesn't belong to the father until it reaches his hand, so, so then surely we understand that there's no obligation 
to bring a guilt offering. Even if you already sent. Because essentially, even if you already So the question they asked is that we said that if if he wasn't sentenced, and according to everyone, he would not have to bring a guilt offering or add a chaymer because he never deprived the owner of, of the money. Had he come clean and admitted to the owner that he's guilty, he would also be exempt. So his swearing, his oath, his denial didn't deprive the owner of anything. We're talking about a case where there was a sentence. And therefore, nevertheless, Shimon says that the Kiche, since the title lists only items which are financial obligation, and therefore only in that case do you bring a guilt offering versus a, a, a payment, which is essentially a fine, you're exempt. But your mother asks, why do you have, according to Rav Shimon, why do you have to include in this the penalty for rape and seduction, that, you're exempt, that you don't bring a guilt offering, even if you're sentenced, because we learn now from Bekichesh, all the examples that it gives, and has nothing to do with that. Since this is the exception, the penalty for rape and seduction, the 50 shekel, is the exception. It's unlike all other fines, all other penalties, that it doesn't belong to the father until it's paid. So here, even after the court sentence, it's still a penalty. It's not financial. If he would have come clean, he would have admitted. He would have anyway been exempt. So his oath and his swearing doesn't deprive the owner of anything. Why do you have to learn that from the kichir? So that's what the Gemara answers. So the Gemara so so answers. So Rabbi answered. Rabbi answers. I'm a Rabbi. Ki itzrich. When does Rabbi Shimon have to learn from the kichir to exempt the penalty of rape and seduction from paying? From bringing the guilt offering, paying the chaymish, going for example, sham the bedin. Yes, so he went to court, and the court sentenced the rapist and the seducer to pay to the father, and then Obagra. and then she reached begedus twelve and a half, and then she gets the penalty, not the father, according to Rabbi Shimon, because even though when he sentenced the father. It belonged to the father. We don't follow the sentence according to Shimon. We follow the money doesn't belong to the father until he gets it. So he didn't get it yet. He didn't pay it. And then she became a begettus. So the money belongs to her. And then she dies before the rapist. Oh, this dude's had a chance to pay the penalty. She dies. The father gets the penalty not because the rapist has to pay the father. The rapist has to pay the daughter. The woman he seduced. But because she died, now the father inherits his daughter. So therefore you can't say Vinasa. Vinasa that there's no penalty, there's no payment, it's not considered payment, it's, it's considered a penalty until until he receives it. That's only if it belongs to the father. But here he has to pay the daughter directly. So since he has to pay the daughter directly, therefore she she already it's considered the, the court sentenced him to pay the daughter. Now we have to pay the daughter. Once you have to pay the daughter, it's considered like money. Even before she receives it, it's already like it belongs to her estate. So then it's no different than any other all the other fines or the other penalties.
There's no difference. So in this case, why, why then, if he denies this, why doesn't he bring a guilt offering since it's considered like money, he deprived him of money, deprived the owner of money. So therefore, he says, the reason we exclude it, like the reason we exclude all other fines, because it says, V'kichesh is a list that the Taylor lists. All the cases of the Taylor lists, he obligated to pay Chaymash and to bring a guilt offering is talking about all the cases where it's a financial thing, it's not a final penalty. But if that's the case, why? Why does Rabbi Shimon say, Yosha Elushin Kanash? Why does Rabbi Shimon say, if we're talking about a case where he was already sentenced and the court already obligated him to pay, why does Rabbi Shimon say to exclude these that are penalty? It's not penalty, it's mummy. And you can't exempt yourself by coming clean and admitting. Again, it now becomes a financial obligation. Yeah. It means to say is the exception of these that essentially, in principle, it started out. It started as a penalty. It was a penalty. Yeah. Now it becomes an obligation. You can't wiggle your way around it. We learned in the Mishnah. says you don't have to bring a guilt offering. So one denies and takes an oath that he's not doesn't have to pay the father, that he never raped or seduced the daughter. Why? Because since even if he would have come clean, even if he would have admitted he would have been exempt, he never deprived the father of any payment by swearing falsely. So what do we see? Time within the reason is because he was never sentenced. But if he was sentenced and he doesn't have to pay up then he would have to pay. Coming clean wouldn't have helped him, wouldn't have exempted him. Then once the court sentences you, it becomes uh, an obligation. It's no longer, it's a fine that you're obligated. You can't wiggle your way around it. So then his oath, his lying, swearing falsely, did deprive the father of his payment. And if that's the case, Karpin Shwanami Chayvis also has to bring the sacrifice. He has, he has to pay the Chaymers. He might answer, so Rabbi answered, Rabbi, you know, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon is speaking to the rabbis, addressing himself to the rabbis. According to me, even if he already was sentenced, exempts him in this case, because he learns from me, since all the examples that Taita spells out are all obligations which are essentially financial obligations, not fines or penalties. The Taita is telling us only in that case, do you bring a guilt offering and you have to pay the chaymish? But according to you, you argue with me. And you hold that you can even bring a sacrifice and you have to pay the chaymish even for a case of rape or seduction once the court sentences him. But at least you'll admit it to me. In the case where there was no sentence, it was never sentenced, it never came to court. The chikatova, kenasa katova, since he's demanding a penalty, and a fine, and even if he would have admitted, he would have been exempt. So therefore, it's not his oath, swearing falsely, that deprived the owner of anything. So you would admit to me in that case that there is no sacrifice and you don't have to pay the penalty of Chaymer. Why? Because And the Rabbanon who argue, the rabbis who argue, Sabri, they hold, he he hold, they hold that the father was coming to demand not the payment of the penalty, of the fine, the 50 shkollim. They were coming to demand the payment for the embarrassment. 
and for the defect, in the case of rape, for the, for the pain. And that's a financial matter. And therefore, if, had he admitted, he would be obligated to pay. So it's his swearing falsely that deprived the father for the payment, and therefore, when he comes clean, he has to bring the guilt offering, and he has to pay the chaymash. What's the argument? The mother says, we're in 43a, but Mike, I'm really worthy arguing. I'm not papa. Shimon, savar, shavikin, 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 come Even though they want all the payments, but really, he starts with one payment. What's the primary payment that he's looking for? He's not going to abandon a fixed payment. The title says 50 shekel for a payment which you have to evaluate. That's why his main argument is for the fine, for the penalty of 50 shekel. And Rabbanon, Rabbanon, the rabbis disagree. They hold sabri, they hold no. The main argument of the father is for the boishas of The father is not going to come to demand the payment that if he admits, then he's free. Then he, if he comes clean and he admits that he's guilty, he doesn't have to pay a penny. Surely he's going after the payment which when he admits, he has to pay. So he wants to start with one payment. He doesn't want to overwhelm him with three or four payments and then he'll surely swear falsely. He wants, to come, he wants him to admit question is, which is the one payment that he's focusing on? That's the argument. So in conclusion, when it comes to the penalty of, for seduction and for rape, we have an argument between the rabbis and Abshimen. According to the rabbis, it's once the court sentences you. Then it's considered as if it belongs to the father. And, um, and once once it's once the, the court sentences you, you can't come clean. You can't admit and uh, be exempt yourself. According to Rabbi Shimon, no, it's still just a penalty. It's not considered money yet until the father actually collects it. Until that point, you could, um, until it's actually collected, it's still considered a fine. And if you come clean, you're exempt from it. Another argument, whether you're obligated for a, um, a guilt offering, if you deny the liability for rape and for and you swear falsely that you didn't rape and you didn't uh, seduce according to the rabbis you're obligated for a guilt offering from, um, because what you're demanding is the financial obligations you're focusing on the shame and the and the uh, defect and the and the case of rape and the pain and the pain according to Rabbi Shimon, you're exempt from a, a, uh, um, a guilt offering and from the penalty of chaymash because the demand is for the knas. For the, the, your focus is, is on the 50, 50 shekel. And since, even if you would have admitted to the father that you did rape and seduce, you would be exempt. So you're swearing falsely. You never deprived him of anything. And the third argument is, what if, if something that's essentially a fine, a penalty, but then the court, then the court obligates you. So the question is, the question is, if now it becomes a financial obligation, you can't wiggle your way out of it. So according to the rabbis, once the court sentences you, then it's considered like money. And if you deny that the court sentences you and then you come clean, you have to pay the chaymash on top and you have to give the guilt offering. No, since essentially it's a fine, so all fines, the title exempts from, uh, from the guilt offering and paying the chaymash, even if technically I can't, my admission won't exempt me, 
And had I admitted I would have been obligated and my swearing falsely deprived the owner of his legitimate payment, it doesn't matter since it's essentially a fine, you're exempt. Be Good morning, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful day. Today is Chaf of 78th, the yard side of the Rebbe's father, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak. And we continue, we left off, we're starting with Hashem's help, the fourth chapter in Ksuvus, Perik, Nairosh, and Ispatata, the bottom of 41b. A young uh, girl who was seduced So who gets the payments of the, for the embarrassment and for the defect and for the penalty? 50 shekel. Who gets it? The father gets it. And the and the uh, the payment for the pay, for the um, for the uh, pain and and the additional payment which you pay on top of the three payments of uh, for the for the embarrassment and for the defect and for the penalty which you pay when when a girl is seduced but on top of that when you rape a woman you also have to add the payment and the pen, uh, the the pay, the the the, the uh, tsar the pain, that goes also to the father. What if Amda Bedin, what if this case was presented to the court? Actually, Mesa'av, when the father was still alive and the court sentenced the seducer and the raper, the rapist sentenced him to pay these payments. They belong to the father. So therefore, Mesa'av, what if the father dies? Who inherits the father? The boys inherit the father. So since the father already, already acquired it, the court already gave him this money, so therefore, therefore, even though he dies before he had a chance to pay, the brothers inherit the payment, the estate, and the brothers get this payment, not the daughter. What if the father dies before the court had a chance to render its verdict? The angel Atzma, then she acquires it. Not the brothers. She's the one who was raped. She's the one who was seduced. Then it belongs to her. So we have an argument. We have an argument of this, this law that uh, the money goes to the father and even if and after the, the court renders its sentence and then the father dies the money is inherited by the children by the yeah. boys by her brothers not her whether it only applies to the penalty of the knas the penalty of the 15 silver coins or it also applies to the payment uh, for the embarrassment and for the, for the defect and for the, for the pain in the case of rape so Taisva says there's no difference. This is referring to all of the payments because the Torah compares all the payments. So just like the penalty, you're not obligated until the court obligates you. So to the others, even though it's a financial loss, also, also belongs to the father and therefore the brothers inherit. Rashi says no. Others would learn no, that, that this is only the case for the penalty of Knas. The penalty of Knas doesn't begin until the court until the court imposes it on you. So, so as long as the court imposed it, then, and the father was alive, therefore it belongs to him and to his estate, and therefore the brothers get it and not, not her, even though he dies before, he, before, she, before they collect. But the other penalties are financial things. Financial things, that belongs, 
that's, that's, that's already there, that's already present, that the father already inherited. The moment he raped her, the moment he seduced her, it comes with a financial liability. And that financial liability, the boishas and the pagam and the kanas in the case, and the tzad in the case, that belongs to the children. Right, that belongs to the children. So that's an argument. Rab Shimon, Rab Shimon argues, he says, he says, even if the court decided and sentenced him to all these payments, sentenced him to pay the penalty, and the father was alive when they sentenced but the father died before they collected, the money goes to the daughter, goes to her. That's Rab Shimon's opinion. Soon the mother will explain what the argument is. What about What about her handiwork? And something that she finds. She finds a lost object or she works. And usually the father gets, gets the paycheck. So even if it wasn't collected yet, and then the father dies before she, she picked up a paycheck. She works, she gets paid every month. The day before she collects the paycheck, the father died. Who gets the paycheck? Does she get it? Or do the brothers inherit it? He says, it belongs to the brothers because it's a financial thing. And the moment she works, it's already there. It's already present. The obligation to pay her is there. And therefore, it belongs to the father and to the estate. And the, the sons inherited her brothers and not her. Okay, that's the mission. What's the mission coming to teach us? We already learned this. We learned this in the previous mission. This seducer is obligated in three payments. For the shame, for the defect, and for the penalty. And the rapist has an additional defect, additional payment for the pain for the for the uh, pain. I mean, for, for, for the embarrassment. The, the seducer has to pay for the embarrassment, for the defect, and the penalty. And the rapist, on top of that, also has to pay for the pain, four things. And the mission says clearly, What's he come to teach us? But the answer is, yeah, he doesn't come to list the payments that he's obligated. He's coming to teach us, that who gets the payment? That's what our mission is coming to teach us. Who gets the payment? He says it belongs to the father. All payments go to the father. Right. I don't need a mission to tell me that. It's also obvious. From the, we can learn that from the previous mission. Um, because since, since the, the uh, seducer is obligated to make all these payments, obviously it has to go to the father. Because if the payment will go to the daughter, why does he have to make any payment? It was mutual. She forgives she him and all the payments. She was my equal partner. Exactly. So the only, the only thing is, obviously you have to pay the father. The father never forgave him. The father didn't want his daughter to, to, to be a slut, to, to sleep around. So he has to pay the father for the shame and the embarrassment and for the, for the defect, the defect, or loss of value, and a penalty. So obviously it belongs to the father. But answers, you're right. Even that, I don't even need our Mishnah. That, that belongs to the Father. I also learned from the previous Mishnah. But I need our Mishnah to teach us what happens if the court sentences him to make this payment and then the Father dies. Who gets it? As the Mishnah says, that the brothers inherit. The rabbis say the brothers get it, and the Rabbi Shimon says, no, that she gets it.
explain the argument of Shimon and the rabbis, Igmar is going to bring a mission in Tractate Shavuos. Not not so we learn over there in Tractate Shavuos regarding the laws of an oath. If the father comes to a person and says, you owe me money, you raped, or you seduced my daughter. And he denies it. And the father says, I swear you, I administer an oath, swear to me that you, you didn't do it. Yeah. And he says, Amen, he accepted the oath. He swears that he never raped his daughter, and he never raped, he never raped the other person's daughter, and he never seduced her. And then he comes clean, and he admits that he lied, he swore falsely, he did rape, and he did seduce the daughter. So then the Torah says, you're obligated to pay. If you deny under oath, an, uh, an obligation, obligatory payment. You have, not only do you have to pay the principal, you also have to add a fifth on top, which is 25% of the principal. Let's say it was $100, you have to add 25. So when you add it to the 100, 125, it becomes a one fifth. fifth and bring an offering. And, bring an offering yeah. Right. Yeah. So you have to pay, what's the principal? You have to pay the penalty, the, uh, the shame, and the defect. And you add it all up, you have to pay 25% on top of that. Uh, 20% when you add it on. And then you have to bring a guilt offering. A guilt offering because you, you under oath, you denied money that belonged to your friend. And Abshimen, Peter Abshimen argues, Abshimen says you're exempt from a, from a sacrifice and you're exempt from the added penalty of a chaymesh. Why? Because what did you deny? You denied the penalty, uh, the penalty of 15, 50 shekel. What if he would have come clean? What if he would have admitted to the father that he raped his daughter and he, uh, and he, or he seduced her? Would he have to pay the penalty? No. Any penalty that you admit we learned yesterday, you're exempt. So therefore, even if he would have admitted, he would have been exempt from paying. So by denying it, he didn't deprive the father of any payment. So therefore, why should he pay? Why should he have to pay on top of it the fifth and and bring a guilt offering? The rabbis responded, You're right. He wouldn't, even if he would have admitted to the father, he would be exempt from paying the penalty, but he would still have to pay the other penalties he would have to pay. That's not a punishment for the, her embarrassment, for the shame, and for her defect that she loses value in the marketplace. For that, you do have to pay. And by denying it and swearing falsely, he exempted himself of a payment. So now that he's coming clean, the tailor says, not only do you have to pay the principal, you have to add the chaymish, the fifth, and on top of it, and you have to bring the guilt over it. Abai asked from Rabba. Rabba was the 38th in line of the transmission of the whole oral Torah. So yeah, Rabbi was Abayah's teacher. So he asked him, What happens in the case where someone accuses someone? He says, you raped or seduced my daughter. And we went to the court and the court said, sentence you, you have to pay. And there was witnesses and you, they, you had to pay. You had to pay the penalty, you had to pay everything. The, the, for the shame or for the defect in the case of rape also for the for the pain, uh, for the embarrassment in the case of rape also for the pain and the, the, the court found you liable he denies it he says no it's not true 
never raped your daughter, I never seduced your daughter, we never went to court, and the court never sentenced me. And when Nishban, and he swore that he's telling the truth, and then Hoide comes clean. So the question Abaya posted obviously, according to Rab Shimon, who says that when you under oath you deny the penalty, the penalty, it's not called denial, because even if you would have admitted you would have you would have been exempt to pay. So you didn't exempt yourself from paying by denying. Either way, you deny or admit you would have been exempt. But in this case, my what's the din? What's the question? Since the father claims that you already were sentenced by the court, once you're sentenced, you can't exempt yourself, even if you come clean. It doesn't matter. If you come and say, you admit, I was sentenced by the court. You don't say, well, he admitted, he came clean. No. The court already obligated you, because in the beginning you didn't come clean. We had to have witnesses, and the court said that you're obligated to pay. That, then it becomes an obligation. So exempting yourself wouldn't help you. So if that's the case, so now when he denies to the father that he ever raped and he ever was sentenced, he's denying money, because had he come clean, had he admitted that the father was right, he would have to pay the penalty. And therefore, he has to pay the chaymish, and he also has to pay the sacrifice. He also has to bring the sacrifice, the ashram, the guilt offering. Perhaps, even though he was already sentenced, and you can't exempt yourself by coming clean and admitting, but nevertheless, knas have a, essentially it's you're dealing with a knas with a penalty, and the Torah never obligates. A person in principle, the title doesn't obligate a, per, a, a, a sacrifice, a guilt offering, for denying, for denying a penalty. Only if you deny something that's essentially a damage, money, something that's owed to you. Let's say you worked and you did the payment, you deny that he owes you money, payment. But, but not, in principle, the title exempts any penalty. Any denial of a penalty, even if techni- technically you would have to pay it anyway because, because the, the, the court already issued the sentence, sentence you, you have to pay, it doesn't matter. Here, in this case, there's no chaymish and there's no carbon. That was Abai's question to Rab. So Amalei's Rabbi responded, responded to Abai, in this case, it's not a, in this case, since it's, it's a financial obligation, once the court rendered and sentenced, the seducer or the rapist that he has to pay the penalty, then it becomes a financial obligation. There's no, there's no wiggling your way around it. You, even if you come clean, admit it's too late. You have to pay. So now he's denying if he would have admitted he would have to pay. So he's depriving the father of a legitimate payment. So therefore, if he comes clean now, he does have to, have to pay the extra fifth and he has to bring this guilt offer. So, we learned... Rabbi Shimon Shimon says in the Brais, Yo, I would think, if one claims to the other, he says, You rape my daughter, you seduce my daughter, and he denies, he says, I never rape, never seduce your daughter. Or he says to his friend, Your axe gored my servant, killed my servant. So you have to pay the 30 shekel that the Taita says you're obligated to pay for him. And he says he denies it. Lo is it's not true. My uh, axe never gored, never killed your servant. Or his own servant 
claims that it is a master. The Canaanite servant claims that it is a Jewish master. That you knocked my tooth out and you blinded me. And once you knock a tooth out, and you go out, you become free. And therefore, if, if you wounded it in a way that it can't be healed, then I go free. And you have to pay. So I am free from your slave. I'm no longer your slave. And you have to pay me for the eye. Because by knocking the tooth out, he already becomes free, and now I'm a free man, you have to pay me for the eye. And the owner denies it, it's not true. It wasn't me, I never knocked your tooth out, and I never blinded you. And the owner swore. All of these cases, the owner swore, or, or the person who owns the axe swore that his axe never gored the other person's servant, or the, the would-be rapist or seducer swore that he never raped, he never seduced. And then, and he swore. And then, then he comes along and he has a guilty conscience. He comes along and comes clean. He admits that it's true that he did knock the tooth out and blinded the servant. That is, Agnes did gore the, the, uh, did, did gore the servant, the Canaanite servant. And that he did rape and seduce the other person's daughter. I would think, I would think that you're obligated to pay the extra fifth and you're obligated to bring a sacrifice, a sin offering, a guilt offering. That's what the Pesach says. The Torah lists a whole bunch of things. Whether I gave you, I asked you something, I asked you to watch something and then you deny that I ever gave you to watch. Or, or you gave me something and I deny it. Let's say I stole and I deny that I ever stole. Or I forced you to, um, I, I forced you to sell something, whatever, and, and, and you deny it. Or I found examples that Taita gives. All the examples that Taita gives. If I gave you, I entrusted you to watch something for me, or I, or I gave you a loan, or you stole. Or you found a lost object and you're denying that you found it. And then you swore falsely. In these cases, the text, if you come clean, not only do you have to pay the principal, you have to add to it a fifth, and you have to bring a guilt offering. So, Mechad and Shem Mamin, they're all financial. They're all, they're all a financial issue. Af Anu, also Af Kol, Shehein Mamin, anything that's financial, a financial uh, like Yatza Elu, all these previous cases, pay if you ax gore the Canaanite slave. Or if you're raped, or you or you seduced, the penalty of fifteen shekel. Or if you ask Gordon killed the Canaanite, you're the other Jews Canaanite slave, you only you have to pay thirty shekel. Or when you go out free, if you knock his tooth, the owner knocks the tooth out of his slave. All of that is all is a penalty. It's a knas. So knas, since he would have come clean, even if he would have admitted, he would have been exempt. Because when you come clean on a fine, you're exempt. So therefore, it doesn't matter. It's not your oath that I lied falsely, I swore falsely, I denied it. Even if I admitted it, I would have been exempt. I didn't cause you to lose any money. It's only if I cause you to lose money. Here, I have a financial claim. I gave you a loan, and you deny I gave you a loan. You're depriving me money. Here, in the case of the penalty, it's not depriving any money. Because even if you would have come clean, you would have been exempt. So in this case... In this case, even, even if he, he swears falsely and then he comes clean, he's exempt. He just has to pay the principal. He doesn't have to pay. He doesn't have to pay the. Um, he doesn't have to add the chaymish. He doesn't have to bring a sacrifice. So my love, surely what are we? That's the brayser. So Abayah says, surely we're talking about shalom within. 
even if the if the argument was that you already you already were sentenced by the court, you have to pay me a penalty. We went to court and we proved that you raped and seduced my daughter, and you have to pay. And he denies it. So not like Rabbi said that. In other words, even because since even if it was already the court already decided you have to pay, therefore your coming clean wouldn't exempt you. But nevertheless, since in principle we're dealing with a penalty. In general, a penalty is something that the Torah adds. It's not a real it's not a real value that you have to pay. It's only the Torah penalizes you. So even if technically you would have to pay, and, and admitting wouldn't mean it, it wouldn't matter. Exactly, like a parking ticket. It's a fine. It's not as a value. Gemara says, no, Rabbi says, no, no, who says? He's talking about it, he wasn't sentenced. Because if he's sentenced, then it's already becomes an established financial penalty. And his admission, there's a logic behind it. Because even if he would have admitted, he would be exempt. So I'm not depriving him of money. But in the case, if he was, there was a sentence already, he was sentenced to pay, then had he admitted, he would have to pay. So he is depriving, his false oath is depriving the owner of money that's coming to him. Since the beginning is talking about he was already sentenced, surely the end, the bride is all talking about the end. What we learn in the Reisha, I would think only that you only have to pay the penalty of the fifth if you swear falsely and the guilt offering only you only have to pay for the principle which is a penalty, the double, that a thief has to pay double the principal. Or in the case if you steal or you slaughter it, you have to pay four or five times. And the penalty of Oynes and Mamfata Mechishemra, the penalty, the 50 shekel of Oynes and Mamfata, and the penalty of Mechishemra, how do we know, Mechishemra, I think you pay 100, so how do we know that if that if you swore falsely, that you also have to pay, a sa- you also have to bring a guilt offering. Pay double, four yeah. times, five and, times. Yeah. How do we see Tamad it? It says, it says, a mal a mal. The Torah adds that he, he was it's false. Double usage. Double usage. Yeah. It comes to add Amplify. that even if he denies in the payment of a penalty, even though it's not what the title lists, the title only lists things that are financial, it's a financial thing, it's not a, not a fine, it's not a penalty, but the title adds even penalties. What are the rabbis talking about? The rabbis argue with Rab Shimon. The rabbis Rab Shimon. The rabbis say that even for a penalty, even though had he admitted he wouldn't cut him clean, he would be exempt. So he didn't, he's not depriving the owner of anything. By his swearing falsely, it doesn't matter. Since he swore falsely, the Torah obligates him to pay not only the principal, but also, not only the penalty, but also the fist on top, and to bring a guilt offering. Okay, so that's the price. So what are we talking about? Hey, Chidami, what are we talking about? We're talking about a case where the court never sentenced him. If they didn't go to trial, then there's no kefu. All the other penalties, Mi'ika. Because the moment he admitted, it doesn't make sense. Because if he admitted, he would be exempt. So why would the rabbi say he's obligated? Why, what do you, why is he obligated? He never deprived the owner of any money. If he would have admitted to the owner, you're right, I stole, he, was still, he wouldn't have to pay him the double. So why, if he swears falsely, it's not his swearing falsely that deprived the owner. 
Either way, the owner wouldn't get a dime. He wouldn't get any fine. There's no fine, there's no penalty. So it doesn't make sense. Why would the rabbi say that? He, why would the Torah say you do have to swear? I mean, you do have to bring, pay a chaymish and you have to pay the, and, and on top of it, and you have to bring a guilt offering. There is no cave. Yeah, but once you went to trial, there is a case. Then we must be talking about the Bisham, but we're talking about a case where he was sentenced. And that's why the rabbis say sins, now, even though essentially it's a fine. But once he's sentenced, it's transformed into a financial payment that he must make and come and clean won't help him. So by him swearing falsely, he deprived the owner of, of, of money and it's swearing falsely that deprives it. Therefore, the Torah says you have to pay. You have to bring the guilt offering. You have to pay on top of it the chaymash. And Rav Shimon says no. Rav Shimon says, Obviously, Rav Shimon is arguing. He's coming to argue in that case. Because in the case where he wasn't sentenced, there is no argument. So we see clearly, not like Rabbo, Rabbi Shimon holds it even though he was sentenced. But since in principle, in, in essence, a fine, a penalty is only, is only if you come clean your exam. Therefore, in this case, you also, you also exempt, even if you swore falsely and you deprive the owner of his, of his fine and penalty that was already decided by the court, nevertheless, you only have to pay the penalty, you don't have to pay the chaymish on top of it, and you don't have to bring a guilt off. I could, I could answer that it's not a proof. No. The rabbis are talking about your rights. Must be talking about he was sentenced to it. To pay the fine. And the safe is talking about he didn't. And call it Rabbi Shimon. I will sell you the bride. There is no argument. There is no argument in the rabbis, Rabbi Shimon. The whole bride is Rabbi Shimon. But I don't want to give you a, a, it's not a good answer. Why? Why isn't it a good answer? The im kain because if that's the case, listen to the Rabbi Shimon He should have said in the beginning. Rabbi Shimon said, listen to safe at the end of the brayse. It was Rabbi Shimon. Since he says Rabbi Shimon in the middle, it does the simple reading is that it is an argument. So I don't want to give you, I don't want to give you, a, a, you know, a, not a good answer. Ella, rather, the whole Bryce is talking about he was sentenced. And the Reisha is the rabbi's opinion. And the end of the Bryce is It says that if you deny, if you swore falsely and you deny the obligation of a penalty, even, even though the court already assigned you the penalty and the fine. Nevertheless, Rabbi Shimon argues in the rabbis, there is no sacrifice, and you don't have to pay a chaymer. You're saying here that you can't bring the chaymer on top of the making a distinction. I'm making a distinction. I agree with you, Rabbi Shimon argues with the rabbis that there's no sacrifice in this case. There's no guilt of Why? Since the Torah spells out all these things, all these things the Torah itemizes are all pe- are not penalties, are not fines. They're, they're liability. I gave you a loan, you're denying me. I asked you to watch something for me, you're denying me. All these cases are not fines. They're, 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 they're financial. So therefore, clearly, the Torah spells out, according to Shimon, that in case of a fine or penalty, there is no sacrifice guilt or fine. When I told you that there is, that, 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 that the, the penalty... The pe- there is a penalty after the court, after the court uh, sentences 
the person to pay the penalty, that's considered like money, that's only all I'm saying is that the sons inherit from their father, that the brothers are not her. It has, it's, it's as if the money already entered his estate. Once the court sentences you to pay the fine, it's as if the father already received, the estate already got the money. Therefore, the money now is considered like financial and it belongs to the, to the estate, which the sons inherit, not the daughters. So the brothers get the money, and that's my only argument. Eitzvei, Abaya continued to ask Rabba. We learned in our Mishnah, you speak a league with That what if, what if the court sentence, the right, the rapist, or the seducer to pay the fine, and the father was alive, but they didn't have a chance to, to pay up yet to collect before the father died. Then even Rab Shimon agrees that it belongs. Rab Shimon says it belongs to. Rab Shimon says it belongs to her. Clearly, Rab Shimon says not so. Not like Rabbi said. Me amrit mamin avel edishal abonam kelatzma then if you're saying that Shimon holds that it's considered finance, it's considered money, it's not considered a final penalty once the court sends that the children inherit, the sons inherit, not her. So why, why does she take the money? The Achim it should belong to the brothers. So we see that Shimon holds that the penalty doesn't belong to the brothers until it, it reaches his hands. That even though he was sentenced, it's not considered. It's not considered the father. Learned in the Mishnah, the argument between the rabbis and Rab Shimon. The rabbis say that the money, the money belongs to the father as soon as the court sentences. Once the court sentences to pay, then the penalty belongs to the father. So as so as long as the father was alive when they sentenced him. Or she didn't yet reach maturity, begedish, 12 and a half, when she was sentenced. Then it belongs to the father. And then even if the father dies, it belongs to his estate and the sons. What if he died before they sentenced him? Or even if the father's alive, they didn't sentence the seducer, the rapist, till after she already reaches maturity, 12 and a half. Then it belongs to her right. because he never got. He only gets it when the court sentences. Right, right. right. Rab Shimon argues. Shimon says, "No, that's not enough. Sentencing is not enough. It's only when he has it in his hands, when he actually pays, when the payment, when it's reaches his hand, then it belongs to him. So even if the court sentences, but then he died before he paid, now it belongs to her. Or even if it was sentenced and then she became a mature adult before, before." Um, before they actually collected it, yeah. you know, even if he's still alive, if he became a mature adult before he collected it, then it belongs. It would belong to her. According to Rab, but the way Rabbi explained the price, Rab Shimon says that the money is considered once there's a sentence. Once it's sentence, is considered financial. That in that case, the children inherit. It says clearly in our mission, the children don't inherit. Amar Rav Rav answered, "Hi Milsa." This question that Rabbi asked Rabbi 
Rabbi and Yosef had this question for 22 years, and they, they couldn't understand, they couldn't explain it, to reconcile our mission and that b'raise. Until, until Rabbi passed away, Yosef, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef took over, and he became for 22 years. They wanted to make Rabbi Yosef the Rosh Hashiva. Rabbi Yosef, out of his humility, declined, and Rabbi became the Rosh Hashiva. And after 22 years, when Rabbi passed away, and Rabbi Yosef became Rosh Hashiva, and then he was able to answer. What was his answer? Shiny Hossam, there's different. The penalty for raping and seducing a traitor says that the person should give it, the person who slept with her has to give it to the father, 50 shekels. The says, When does it belong to the father? Only when he has it in his hand. So therefore, this is the exception. Usually, whenever the court sentences you, from that moment on, it's considered financial. You're obligated to pay, and there's nothing, you can't work your way out of it. Therefore, then the estate inherits it, and therefore the sons inherit it. But but this is the exception. Every rule is an exception. The case of seduction and rape, and that's why in the B'raisa, what were the examples he gave in the B'raisa? Well, everything except the case of our Mishnah, the case of rape. He's talking about Kefil, Arba Hamisha, but the except this is the exception, the case of rape and seduction, then it doesn't belong to the father until he actually acquires it. Come okay. a when Rabba said to Abaya that that the penalty once the court decides is considered money and it belongs to children. Bashaknas is talking about all the other penalties, all the all the other fines. That then they are considered money once the court decides, even before it reaches his hand. The mother asked, if that's the case. By a servant also it says that, that if your ox, a goring ox, who's already established three times that he gores, and he kills the moor, the, the, he kills the Canaanite servant, you have to pay 30 shekel. The also uses the same language. Yitin, you have to give. Why did Rabbi Yesu say all other penalties, all other fines, it's when the court sentenced them? So the mother answers, you know why? Because yitin it's two different expressions. Over there it says yitin, he should give. It means in the future. He has to give the money, not that he's giving it now. Venosan means he already gave. So the Tate is saying that Venosan Lavi, when he already gave, he actually physically gives the money, then it belongs to the father, not beforehand. But here the Tate says, no, Yitain, we obligate him to give the father. Once the court sentences him and obligates him, from that moment on, it already belongs to the father. If that's the case, that, uh, that according to Rab Shimon, the fine and the penalty for rape and seduction is different than all other fines, because it says Vinasan, that it only belongs to the father once it's already been given. So why does he say Tamalim of Why does he say that the source for his ruling is? Because the Tata lists examples of, of money, all the examples of the Tata list is money, and only then the obligated to bring a sacrifice and pay the extra chaymer. According to you, you should have said, You should have said that the reason there's no penalty in the case of rape and seduction, you don't have to bring a sacrifice because it says that it doesn't belong to the father until it reaches his hand.
So obviously, if it doesn't belong to the father until it reaches his hand, so, so then surely we understand that there's no obligation to bring a guilt offering. Even if you're already sentenced. Because essentially, even if you're already So the question they asked is that we said that if if he wasn't sentenced, and according to everyone, he would not have to bring a guilt offering or add a chaymer because he never deprived the owner of, of the money. Had he come clean and admitted to the owner that he's guilty, he would also be exempt. So his swearing, his oath, his denial didn't deprive the owner of anything. We're talking about a case where there was a sentence. And therefore, nevertheless, Shimon says that the since the title lists only items which are financial obligation, and therefore only in that case do you bring a guilt offering versus a, a, a payment, which is essentially a fine. You're exempt. But your mother asks, why do you have, according to Rabbi Shimon, why do you have to include in this the penalty for rape and seduction, that, you're exempt, that you don't bring a guilt offering, even if you're sentenced, because we learn now from Bekichesh, all the examples that it gives, and it has nothing to do with that. Since this is the exception, the penalty for rape and seduction, the 50 shekel, is the exception. It's unlike all other fines, all other penalties, that it doesn't belong to the father until it's paid. So here, even after the court's sentence, it's still a penalty. It's not financial. If he would have come clean, he would have admitted. He would have anyway been exempt. So his oath and his swearing doesn't deprive the owner of anything. Why do you have to learn that from the kichish? So that's what he can say. Mother answers. Mother answers. Rabbi answered. Rabbi answers. When does Rabbi Shimon have to learn from the kichish to exempt the penalty of rape and seduction from paying? From bringing the guilt offering, paying the chaymish, going for example, bedin. Yes, so he went to court, and the court sentenced the rapist and the seducer to pay to the father, and then Obagra. and then she reached begetters twelve and a half, and then she gets the penalty, not the father, according to Rabbi Shimon, because even though when he sentenced the father. It belongs to the father. We don't follow the sentence according to Shimon. We follow the money doesn't belong to the father until he gets it. So he didn't get it yet. He didn't pay it. And then she became a begettus. So the money belongs to her. And then Umaitsun, she dies before the rapist. Oh, this dude's had a chance to pay the penalty. She dies. The husum there. The father gets the penalty, not because the rapist has to pay the father. The rapist has to pay the daughter. The woman he seduced. But because she died, now the father inherits his daughter. So therefore you can't say Vinasa. Vinasa that there's no penalty, there's no payment. It's not considered payment. It's, it's considered a penalty until, until he receives it. That's only if it belongs to the father. But here he has to pay the daughter directly. So since he has to pay the daughter directly, therefore she, she already, it's considered a, the court sentenced him to pay the daughter. 
Now we have to pay the daughter. Once you have to pay the daughter, it's considered like money. Even before she receives it, it's already like it belongs to her estate. So then it's no different than any other, all the other fines or the other penalties. There's no difference. So in this case, why, why then, if he denies this, why doesn't he bring a guilt offering? Since it's considered like money, he deprived him of money. Deprive the owner of money. So therefore, he says the reason we exclude it, like the reason we exclude all other fines, because it says vekiches is a list that the tater lists all the cases that the tater lists. He obligated to pay chaimish and to bring a guilt offering. Is talking about all the cases where it's a financial thing. It's not a fine or penalty. But asiyachi, if that's the case, why, why does Rabbi Shimon say yasa elushen kenas? Why does Rabbi Shimon say, if we're talking about a case where he was already sentenced and the court already obligated him to pay, why does Rabbi Shimon say to exclude these that are penalty? It's not penalty, it's mamin. And you can't exempt yourself by coming clean and admitting. It now becomes a financial obligation. What he means to say is, the exception of these that essentially, in principle, it started out, it started as a penalty. It was a penalty. Yeah. Now it becomes an obligation. You can't wiggle your way around it. We learn in the Mishnah, says you don't have to bring a guilt offering. So one denies and takes an oath that he's not, doesn't have to pay the father, that he never raped or seduce the daughter. Why? Because since, even if he would have come clean, even if he would have admitted he would have been exempt, so he never deprived the father of any payment by swearing falsely. So what do we see? Time, the reason is because he was never sentenced. But if he was sentenced and he doesn't have to pay up then he would have to pay. Coming clean wouldn't have helped him, wouldn't have exempted him. Then once the court sentences you, it becomes an obligation. It's no longer, it's a fine that you're obligated. You can't wiggle your way around it. So then his oath, his lying, swearing falsely, did deprive the father of his payment. And if that's the case, Karpon Shvon Amichayv also has to bring the sacrifice. He has, he has to pay the chaymers. What answers? Rabbi answered, Rabbi, no, Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon is speaking to the rabbis, addressing himself to the rabbis. According to me, even if he already was sentenced, exempts him in this case, because he learns from him. Since all the examples that Taita spells out are all obligations which are essentially financial obligations, not fines or penalties. The Taita is telling us only in that case, do you bring a guilt offering and you have to pay the chaymish? But according to you, you argue with me. And you hold that you can even bring a sacrifice and you have to pay the chaymish even for a case of rape or seduction once the court sentences him. But at least you'll admit it to me. In the case where there was no sentence, it was never sentenced, never came to court. The chikatova, katova. So since he's demanding a penalty, and a fine, and even if he would have admitted, he would have been exempt. So therefore, it's not his oath, swearing falsely, that deprived the owner of anything. So you would admit to me in that case that there is no sacrifice and you don't have to pay the penalty of Chaymer. Why? Because Maidah Bekhnas Pater. 
And the Rabbanon who argue, the rabbis who argue, Sabri, they hold, he ketova, av, boishasubagam ketova. He hold, they hold that the father was coming to demand not the payment of the penalty, of the fine, the 50 shkolen. They were coming to demand the payment for the embarrassment and for the defect, in the case of rape, for the, for the pain. And that's a financial matter. And therefore, if, had he admitted, he would be obligated to pay. So it's his swearing falsely that deprived the father for the payment, and therefore, when he comes clean, he has to bring the guilt offering, and he has to pay the chaymash. What's the argument? The Gemara says, we're in 43a, but Micah, what are they arguing? I'm not Papa, Shimon, Savar, Even though they want all the payments, but really, he starts with one payment. What's the primary payment that he's looking for? He's not going to abandon a fixed payment. The title says 50 shekel for a payment which you have to evaluate. That's why his main argument is for the fine, for the penalty of 50 shekel. And Rabbanon, but Rabbanon and the rabbis disagree. They hold sabri, they hold no. The main argument of the father is for the boishas of The father is not going to come to demand the payment that if he admits, then he's free. Then he, if he comes clean and he admits that he's guilty, he doesn't have to pay a penny. Surely he's going after the payment which when he admits, he has to pay. So he wants to start with one payment. He doesn't want to overwhelm him with three or four payments and then he'll surely swear falsely. He wants, to come, he wants him to admit question is, which is the one payment that he's focusing on? That's the argument. So in conclusion, when it comes to the penalty of, for seduction and for rape, we have an argument between the rabbis and Abshimon. According to the rabbis, it's once the court sentences you. Then it's considered as if it belongs to the father. And, um, and once once it's once the, the court sentences you, you can't come clean. You can't admit and uh, be exempt yourself. According to Rabbi Shimon, no, it's still just a penalty. It's not considered money yet until the father actually collects it. Until that point, you could, um, until it's actually collected, it's still considered a fine. And if you come clean, you're exempt from it. Another argument, whether you're obligated for a, um, a guilt offering, if you deny the liability for rape and for and you swear falsely that you didn't rape and you didn't uh, seduce. According to the rabbis, you're obligated for a guilt offering from, um, because what you're demanding is the financial obligations. You're focusing on the shame and the, and the uh, defect and the, and the case of rape and the, pa- and the pain. And according to Rabbi Shimon, you're exempt from a, a, uh, um, a guilt offering and from the penalty of chaymash because the demand is for the knas. For the, the, your focus is, is on the 50, 50 shekel. And since, even if you would have admitted to the father that you did rape and seduce, you would be exempt. So you're swearing falsely. You never deprived him of anything. And the third argument is, what if, if something that's essentially a fine, a penalty, but then the court, then the court obligates you. So the question is, the question is, if now it becomes a financial obligation, you can't wiggle your way out of it. So according to the rabbis, once the court 
sentences you, then it's considered like money. And if you deny that the court sentences you and then you come clean, you have to pay the chaymash on top and you have to give the guilt offering. No, since essentially it's a fine, so all fines, the title exempts from, uh, from the guilt offering and paying the chaymash, even if technically I can't, my admission won't exempt me, and had I admitted, I would have been obligated and my swearing falsely deprived the owner of his legitimate payment. It doesn't matter since it's essentially a fine, you're exempt.